Hey guys, today I sit down and talk to Larry Kangas. Larry's an interesting guy with a multiple layer of interests. Uh, spent a lot of time in the park service, worked at Isle Royal for many years, big into hunting, fishing, kayaking, canoeing, camping. Uh, so something I enjoy for sure, just the outdoor lifestyle. He's written several articles for Furfish Game, uh, been published many times through some of the adventures that he's had. Uh, so this is a fun one. I enjoy speaking to him and learning about some of his outdoor experiences. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Hello, Larry. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Good morning, Logan. Good nice morning. to be here. Yeah. The, brought you here to talk about a multiple layer of things. Uh, some of your history in the park service, spent time at Isle Royale. Uh, let's just dive into that. How did you start working at Isle Royale? I guess it took quite a few years to get there. Yeah. Because <laughs> I graduated in college in conservation park management and uh, worked about three years as a seasonal ranger in various places, Pitcher Rocks, Everglades, Rocky Mountain National Park, and then first permanent job was in Tennessee and Kentucky at Big South Fork National River Recreation Area. Okay. And uh, I was there for four years and had three or four different jobs when I was there. But that was uh, a whitewater park, did a lot of uh, whitewater canoeing, rafting, rescue type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went back to Pitcher Rocks for four years before uh, an opening came up at Al Royal that I, I took. Yeah. And then that was kind of our destination. We ended up retiring from there 19 years later. Yeah for just under 30 years of service. Yeah, and you had always known that Isle Royal is where you wanted to get back Isle Royal was our goal, you know, a lot of family in the area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you had, before we got on, you had mentioned on the early stages of your career, you were at Pictured Rocks, and then you spent time three months in a tent with a one-year-old, is that right? Yeah, our, our second year, my job was a backcountry ranger, and. Uh, that previous August, we had our first child. We went back. My wife was willing to live out of a tent. Yeah. So we did that for three months. And it was an uh, interesting experience. She said it was one of her favorite summers because just with one child, she was pretty free to go for hikes and whatnot and wasn't tied down with all the house obligations. Yeah, right. Huh. How about your daughter? How did she do with that? Of course, she was she was young and really didn't know any different. Right. But uh, she did quite fine. Learned to walk around a little box inside the tent, and yeah. uh, we'd go on uh, a lot of camping trips with her. There was er one early spring trip that looks like she had chicken pox after the mosquitoes got done with her, but uh, yeah. she survived that just fine. Hmm. In fact, uh, I thought my daughter's really thrived on uh, the environment they're brought up in like an hour royal they've all backpacked uh, 
the 165 miles by themselves or with a, with a friend and mm-hmm. became very independent. Right. Yeah. So let's dive into IRL. Uh, what was that experience like? Uh, Our oil, in many ways, is a throwback in time because of its isolation and uh, not being connected by any roads. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a much quieter place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though each end has some developed area, there's no roads, and it's either you get around by boat or hiking. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, and you spent a lot of time hiking, I suppose, working out there. What were your primary roles? Well, a lot of my job probably uh, was office time, so um, other than when there was emergencies or some call to do something. But um, but I, in the summer, instead of taking a vacation, like coming back to the mainland, mm-hmm. we'd take a, take a week, do a canoe trip with the family on the interior lakes and... Uh, mm-hmm. And the uh, kids just kids just love that. Yeah. So were you the only one out there, or were your wife and kids able to be out there? Well, in the there? summer when school was out, the kids and the wife was able to join me. And yeah. uh, not everybody that worked there had that opportunity, but since I was full-time, I, d- I did have housing that was available for the family. Mm-hmm. And to them, that was like summer camp, and, yeah. and they always looked forward to it. My wife really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it. And the spring and fall is separated by uh, one and a half to two months, mm-hmm. and that, that was that was always a challenge for family. Yeah, probably more for me than than soon the kids. They they seem to do fine. Yeah, yeah, they're busy here with day to day life and friends, school and, friends and school and whatnot. Yeah, so you would be out on Isle Royale without seeing your family for about a month and a half straight in the winter. Well, it was like spring and fall. Okay. The winter of the island's actually closed. I'd sure. go out there for a couple of weeks to help with that annual wolf moose study. Yeah. But uh, it was closed end of October till end of April. Sure. So the end of the season and the beginning of the season right. of each year, you would yeah. be alone. Yeah. So yeah. about six months out there. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you would go help with that moose and wolf study. In the winter, yeah. yeah. In the winter, yeah. Yeah. How is Isle Royale in the winter versus in the summer? It must feel pretty desolate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And much quieter. Yeah. Yeah, just a handful of people out there at the time, you know. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that story. And I don't know the gal's name that spent the winter out there and lost half her hair from snaring rabbits through the winter just right. to make it through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And her husband passed away. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. starved. Yeah. This was, what, mid-1800s, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, there's a point right across from where they spent that winter called Starvation Point. Yeah. Because of that story, yeah. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Any interesting tales or unusual events happened in your time at Isle Royale? Or is everything fairly consistent? I guess there's always uh, something interesting. Um, one of the, one of my um, duties was I was on the dive team too, mm-hmm. and um, most of the time we're our dives are just setting and removing buoys off the shipwrecks spring and fall. But 
probably one of my most interesting dives was uh, in the fall when the lake trout were spawning mm-hmm. at night. And uh, when we're at the surface shining a light, you know, those big lakers would kind of swim off. But once you went to the bottom, you could actually go right up to them and pet them. And I had a big one just swim right up, touch his face in my mask. And yeah. that was uh, pretty unique. Yeah. How come they don't get scared? Something about the nighttime makes them uh, more relaxed or something? Or what? Right. Okay. Huh. Yeah, and when you're on the bottom, you probably blend in with the rocks a little more and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, you can. And once you relax, they're relaxed or yeah. something. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose a lot of moose encounters, a lot any of wolf moose. encounters? Yeah, I, I would say uh, occasionally would 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 see moose or i mean wolves but uh moose was a kind of a daily event especially when the population was so high yeah in yeah. fact uh one nice picture that i i have blown up pretty big was uh my youngest son was just six weeks old we did our first backpacking trip with him mm-hmm. and uh we were on the interior lake and we we're getting ready to leave take the canoe out of there and that's some bull moose is walking down the shore and he stops you know maybe 30 yards away because of the canoes blocking his path mm-hmm. took a few pictures with the boys there and it's still standing there i called back on the girls and got all five kids in there with the moose standing in between them you know and mm-hmm. made for a good christmas card that year yeah <laughs> <laughs> and oh. then when i took the canoe out of there the moose continued on his way yeah and in the fall, it could be uh, pretty exciting during the rut, uh, charged many times by moose. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you get behind a tree, you're, you're all right. But it was it was always a challenge even just walking from my house down to the office by the lake and that time of year and keeping your eyes and ears open uh, for a bull moose that you might have to dodge. Yeah, yeah. No, the thought of it sounds amazing to spend that much time out there uh, i know you said you did a lot of office work but just being in that environment feels like it would uh slower pace of life oh yeah yeah uh, yeah it feels like it would change you did it get monotonous did you get no over it no, or you always no, found an appreciation no. although with family off the island i often thought of it as a uh, love-hate relationship where you yeah. love being out there but at the same time you you, you can't get back for family events, you know, birthdays, going to church with them, whatever, you know. So yeah. it, you kind of had that side that was just really nice about being out there, but you're also kind of stuck out there when you don't want to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said a, a lot of people in the park service, that's very typical. Hey, they, they have a hard time. Not, not, not that you necessarily had a term, but a lot of people have a hard time balancing the love for the job, family life at home. And find that they can lean too far one direction. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's always a balancing axe. Yeah. But again, even in our day-to-day lives, for me, when I can go out on a camping trip for a weekend or a hunt for a weekend, that time it like slows down. Your mentally, you slow down. You you leave that busy, busy day to day-to-day life. And I suppose for you working you still have responsibilities. It's not like you're totally just relaxed or whatever else. But again, it just feels like you would have that. I'm here for a month and a half. I've got nowhere else to be. This is what I'm doing. Uh, in the evenings, you're not going to go run out to watch a basketball game or go run 
out and do anything. I mean, you're there. Right. Yeah. Have you heard, uh, you know, again, the thought of going out for a week and throughout that week, you start out super busy, fast paced, everything's a rush. And by the end of it, finally, you've figured out a little bit how to vacation. You're, you're slowing down, you're relaxing. There's a guy who kayaked or canoed Lake Superior. Uh, and I think it was over the course of six months and over the course of that six months, uh, he never found an end to it. Like life kept on slowing down. Is that how it was for you from the beginning of the season? Like you're here in town, head back out there and throughout the course of the season, you find you finally get a, a slower pace or a slower mindset. Well, certainly in the fall was always a slower pace with the visitation would die off. Your uh, facilities would close, you know, the lodges and, and so just the whole, amount of activity from the public would really slow down so mm -hmm. that that would give you some breathing time yourself and most employees really enjoyed the fall the most you know in the springtime you're busy with gearing up for the season but mm -hmm. in the fall you're kind of gearing down for closing and it's a much more relaxing time yeah so and you've got a i guess from the outside looking in an interest in the outdoors i mean isle royal working in the park service, hunting, fishing, wrote articles for Fur Fish Game. Um, I guess, again, from the outside looking in, I'd say it's just an outdoor enjoyment, uh, passion. Where did that stem from? Uh, that's a good question, but I guess it's probably something I've had since childhood yeah. as far as just uh, the enjoyment of being outdoors and, and then choosing a career that would hopefully put me out in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I find the most peace when I'm uh, not surrounded by walls and, and then, uh, and the environment that God created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did you consciously think you've got children? Did you consciously think about wanting to instill that in them as well? Or did you kind of just let nature take its course? No pun intended. Well, certainly all our activities that we did together were often outside you know especially in the early years when i didn't own a house yeah you know all our weekends were trips outside somewhere or someplace we haven't been and and the family was always with us so mm -hmm. it was just natural that they were outdoors yeah and then when we were up here even though we owned a house when we're on the island you're basically divorced from your house which was kind of nice because any projects or whatever just had to wait till you got back and you couldn't do anything about them mm -hmm. and so out there you would just again just use all your free time to do things as a family yeah yeah because i've got two little ones and that's something i consciously think about is because i love to get outside and love to be involved in that world as i would really love for them to be as well but i don't want to force it on them and uh, burn them out but I think if, if that's just a life you're living they're going to naturally be engaged in it yeah I think children as a whole take a natural liking to the outdoors and yeah. as long as they're not allowed to enjoy it at their pace a little bit instead of pushing them yeah I know one of our daughters as she was growing up hiking she wanted she would be in a backpack but anytime there was a boardwalk to walk on Mm -hmm. She wanted to get down and walk on that boardwalk, but get to the other end, she'd be content to get back in a backpack, you know. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, for kids, if you got snacks along, that that uh, can make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I used to um, sometimes go fishing before work, early in the morning, especially for like uh, steelhead or somewhere. You know, the bite's gonna generally be a little better. And mm-hmm. when my son was just still at the under a year old or around that age, um, he'd be up early. I'd the rest of the family sleep and I'd take them down with me and I had one of those big Tupperware tubs so I'd have them sit in my lap when I'm trolling and as soon as I got a hit I'd stick them in that Tupperware with a blanket you know <laughs> while I fought the fish <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I'm sure he loved that eh? yeah yeah like you said maybe he's young enough to not know but I've got a one-year-old and I brought him fishing this summer he was on my back and loved it yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, kids like being outside and just kind of watching what you're doing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so you've been engaged in the outdoor world for a long time. You've written articles for Furfish Game. How did that come about? Well, when I retired, we planned to do a trip to Alaska. My my wife and um, my youngest son at the time, who was going to be a senior in high school, we got back that summer, but we went for 90 days. And and researching on that trip, I couldn't find anything the way we were planning on doing it. Just simple with just a, I had a t- Toyota Tacoma, mm-hmm. put a shell on the back, and my wife and I are going to sleep in there, and my son up late in one of the front seats. Mm-hmm. And uh, we brought a couple tents, but we only used those if we stayed somewhere for four or five days at a time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so after the trip, I decided to uh, write an article for for others that it you know if they're interested in doing the same thing and and so that was the first one that I had published. But uh, but I found that writing to me is like some people enjoy doing a puzzle in the wintertime or whatever, and I find that that writing um, I find that same challenge um, to be able to uh, narrow it down and say what you needs to be said in um in a few words are asking for and it's 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 just been a fun challenge yeah have you always been a reader as well uh fair amount um certainly any of my english early english teachers would have figured i'd been the last one in a class that would have something published mm-hmm. um but through my work i certainly had to write a lot and i remember uh, early on in my career uh one of the guys took me aside and said, you know, if you're going to do well down the road, it's in, important that you you write well, you know. Hmm. And, um, and, of course, we had to do a lot of reports for um, my law enforcement and search and rescue work and whatnot. But, um, but when you're writing for a magazine, it's a little different than just factual facts being put down. That might have to go before a court or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're writing for a magazine, it's a lot of it's for entertainment as well. But but trying to give some ideas that to people if they're thinking about doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mentioned to you on the phone when we had sp- spoke previously. The line, and to me, it really jumped out where the gentleman you were hun- hunting with shot a buck, and instead of going into the story of the deer, they got it or they collected it. The next line was. I'm not sure if the deer enjoyed the ride back, but the hunter sure did. I I think I want to know, was that like spur of the moment or is that a, a puzzle piece that took a long time to put together? 
Well, some things do come spur of the moment, but at the same time, I do spend a lot of time going over re-editing and whatnot, and so for that particular one, I don't remember whether it was spur or whether it was (laughs) what I came back to, but... yeah. But on a general level, if you're going to sit down and write an article, how do you approach it? Do you try to just get the body of it all at once? I try to get everything that was involved in a story. So that might be 5,000 or more words. In most magazines, max is about Mm 2,000. And so actually that's a real fun part to me is to to try to trim that down Mm -hmm. and still tell your story. Right. But um, a lot of people, when they read, it's – they're filling in in their mind the blanks, so you don't need to say everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know the book "A River Runs Through It." Yeah, it's been been a while. But. Okay, um, I I think you would appreciate it. It's about a guy who fly fishes out west, and they have a, as a family have a high reverence for fly fishing. Um, but part of it. And now I'm thinking this might be just in the movie or it was in the book because I've watched both. But the the father was a, a priest or a minister uh, and also taught his son's English and writing. And there's a scene in the movie, and I can't remember if it's in the book, but where the son, eight-year-old son, would bring him his writing and his father would say, great, now cut it in half. He'd go cut it in half, bring it back, and he'd say, great, now cut it in half again to basically say, hey, you don't, yeah, learn the art of words to tell a story with a fourth of the amount of actually actual words that you're using yeah nice yeah but so you you ended up having to do that was that an easy thing to do to cut those pieces out it does take time um but i prefer to do it over the editor have to do it um and they'll they'll uh they know that now often give me that opportunity which i mm-hmm. appreciate um but it does take time, but it's it's part of the fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some personal intrigue on the writing side. Uh, reading, uh, again, your you, you, again the the way you can move somebody through lines or through words, because I've had it happen frequently myself. I, I read quite a bit. Uh, is powerful. And it'd be neat to try to create that yourself as well. Um, so that's why I'm curious a little bit how you got into it or what, yeah, just how that process looks. Are you still writing articles right now? It's been a while. Um, I wrote a, my wife passed away three and a half years ago and I've written a few since then, but it's it's been a little while now since I've written. Okay. Do you think you will? I it's nothing I really plan ahead of time. Yeah. Um, even when I go on trips, I don't try to think of them as that I'm going to write something from this, you mm-hmm. know, because um, I just want to enjoy the trip. Right. But uh, but often they'll 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 turn into an article. You know, it's a good way to to remember them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Growing up, we'd go on camping trip as friends, totally unprepared, like. I mean, just winging it, uh, thin sleeping bags, um, poor food, whatever. Just no gear. Didn't know what we were doing, but we're winging it. You're learning along the way. But your son would join us 
Uh, and it was clear he was light years ahead of us with his bushcraft and gear and just overall knowledge. Um, Derek would would join. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it seemed seemed like even at a young age, I could see, and we all could see that he had spent a lot of time outside. Um, you see that too, obviously. I'm sure. Hey. Yeah, and when you when he spent that kind of time as a a young kid, and in a way. It, he probably doesn't think that it's any different. It's just the way it is for him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he came on a boundary water trip with us, and uh, on that trip, we uh, decided to take a big cast iron iron pan if he carried it. And mm-hmm. of course, he ended up being a cook for us and did an awesome job. Yeah. Huh. Boundary waters is a place you spent several trips at. Yeah. Since yeah. I've retired, uh, you know, I thought I'd be the island. Uh, since I've retired many times, but I haven't been back yet, and yeah. uh, just because there's so many other places to go. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I have done many trips to Boundary Waters, and I've done uh, quite a few with Russ Bird. Yeah, and uh, Russ and I did a uh, fun trip to Montana here just a couple summers ago, where we uh, backpacked in for 20 miles and then huh. carried in these um, little. Um, personal rafts that we mm-hmm. floated out for 45 miles on a um on a river and real remote area and just awesome cutthroat fishing yeah yeah <clears throat> i spent a decent amount of time out west and i'm enamored with it uh get back out there as much as i can but living here my family's here my wife's family's here uh this is, seems like the place to be for our children uh but i love it out there yeah but, and I do too, but anytime I travel, you always feel thankful we live where we do. It's yeah. a pretty special place. For sure. But I have had to train myself, not necessarily train myself, but lean in to find similar enjoyment locally. Like something about the vast western landscape, the huge mountainsides, hillsides, yep. whatever else. Right. I've had I that's what I'm searching for here. So I've been going to Again, anywhere I can get huge views, uh, remote places, and yeah. and see some of that beauty locally because we have a lot of it. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, you've never been back to Isle Royale since you've retired. Not yet. Same thing. Do you think you will? Oh yeah. 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 What would that be like? Well, in many ways, it'll look probably very much the same. It, yeah. There, there will be changes to some of the facilities but the park itself uh other than trees getting older trees falling down you know i mean it's uh it's one of those places that you know civilization doesn't change it much Mm -hmm. yeah i've been out there a couple times same thing it's beautiful i would my next step would want to be to do some backpacking trips you've done quite a few yeah yeah Although for for children, what I find really works nice is like canoe trips. Okay. Because you can carry a lot of gear. They don't have to walk that far just yeah. between portages. It's uh, we did a lot of that with our kids, and they thrived on it. It's a good way to enjoy it. Yeah. <clears throat> and you do a lot of canoeing and kayaking currently, as well, hey? Yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, doing Lake Superior uh, kayak fishing primarily in the early spring okay you do uh, my brother has a pedal kayak yeah do that's you what get I into that yeah okay so you troll yeah 
or or Bob or wherever you'd like to. Uh, typically, I'll be uh, trolling with my uh, Hobie kayak that you pedal. Yeah. Put out the you know planer boards and line out the back, and you're getting a, a little bit of exercise, some relaxation, and if you get a fish, you got some dinner, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see that being engaging. Is that a rising trend? Feels like more and more people are. Getting well, certainly into that. Uh, around the nation is. And okay. you see more of it here, but up here we're pretty fortunate. You're never crowded out there. Yeah. Um, the thing up here, you definitely got to be aware of that we, we do have cold water in early spring. That dry suit's uh, probably an important piece of equipment. Yeah. Yeah. And what about hunting? Are you still pretty engaged in hunting? Yeah. Um, primarily because I, I, I like the healthy meat. Yeah. And I, I just like being outside. Recent years, I went back to a recurve uh, bow, mm-hmm. recurve and long bow. Set up a shooting range in my living room this for this winter. Mm-hmm. So I shoot pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, but it's it's simple, and it it's, uh, brings a lot of enjoyment. And I've uh, been getting my grandkids into it now. Several of them got. Uh, Longbows for from Santa Claus and yeah. and it, it's fun to see their their interest growing there. Yeah. Do you do any backpack hunting or have you? For several years, we used to go to um, Sturgeon Gorge. Okay. Um, brother-in-law and and when my boys are growing up, we take he'd take a couple boys and I would take a couple of mine and and we'd backpack in there on the other side of the river and mainly to get away from anyone else and um that was always a lot of fun and mm-hmm. uh, and just the physical nature of it too was always enjoyable um you know from getting back in there and setting up camp and then when you get one you're having to get that deer out of there and you know it's just all part of the adventure yeah yeah i, I haven't done it locally but out west that's what we've been getting into uh, and it's something about it, spending the night out there. Same yeah. thing at all. Yeah. It's all part of the experience versus hopping in a truck, driving back, right. listening to the radio. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I've been intrigued by doing it locally, but I haven't done it yet. But you have, hey, hmm. and, and recurve something you're getting back into or, or yeah. getting into, I should say. Yeah. You know, I hunted quite a bit with it this fall, but I actually never had an opportunity to shoot. The only opportunity I would have had was on a three-pointer, which my license wasn't legal for. But uh, mm-hmm. I never did have a chance at a at a doe. But um, that'll come. Uh, but last fall in September, I went for about three weeks to Colorado, Wyoming, and um, one of my goals was to get a was a grouse. Um, one of the gray grouse with a uh, with my recurve, mm-hmm. put a lot of miles on, going cross country and all over the mountains. But a lot of fun. Had three shots, but no grouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you said what before we got on? One of the things that you've enjoyed about spending time, and we've talked about it briefly earlier, the things slowing down but you've really found to appreciate solitude and enjoying just being out outside yeah for sure what is it about that that you really enjoy i would say it's uh, the peace that it brings 
and 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 also uh you know it's just a the feeling for instance the last few real cold days you know being out there uh even shoveling feeling that that bite of cold on your face is is a good feeling you know mm-hmm. i start my uh every morning I, i've got a uh a pond a dock and a sauna there but uh i go out and jump on the ice hole mm-hmm. um and just that uh that immersion afterwards and that cold chill it, it's it's just the best feeling yeah yeah i wonder what that is because i i mean i would absolutely agree <clears throat> multi-layers part of it just being outside is refreshing but i i find if i'm spending a long time outside or even just a short walk or short short snowshoe or something uh at the end of it i i've like processed if i've got my mind's racing about thinking about something at work i've processed that i've moved beyond that it's like a you, yeah you can clear your mind from it yeah, yeah for sure yeah and my back of my working days if i had a more stressful working day where your head's just full of it you know you're just going for a, a good run you know just it just would clear it out you know and it's whether it's hiking running paddling or whatever it's all good uh daydreaming time as i call it you know you could you could solve some problems or, or mm-hmm. uh, yeah <clears throat> hmm. the recurve is a new challenge though thinking about that i compound hunt yeah the recurve something i'd consider but i feel like i need to get to another level before i yeah early that. in a career you know you just want to be able to get some and yeah. you do whatever it takes to uh to get get a deer whether it's um you know and getting sights on a bow getting a better bow um you know baiting um and and when you have a family and your time's limited and you're working you know you might only have 45 minutes an hour of that that day or that weekend to hunt so yeah you know to be successful especially for our few um bucks that you might even see during a season Mm -hmm. you know you do what it takes but um i've just found over time when i look back at my different hunts the ones that i enjoyed the most are the ones that i don't know how they're going to go down kind of your surprise whereas like when i'm sitting in a a tree stand say at a bait pile i pretty much know how things are going to go it's just kind of i look at it like reading a book Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in the tree stand, you got a bait pile there. It's just you're just changing characters, but the book story is still the same. Mm-hmm. But if I'm still hunting or tracking a deer or whatever in the snow, it's it's like a you don't know what the next chapter is, what the next page is, and mm-hmm. the surprise is um, just sticks with you deep and uh, makes for a real uh, fun experience. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done a lot of that still hunting and tracking? Yeah. 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 Since my wife and I moved back up here, uh, three years ago. Um, and since do coming back up here, I've committed to just personally committed to no baiting. So that's all I do is still hunt and track. Uh, it's so engaging. It, you just see a lot of neat places. Um, and I found, I found that my, 
my seems like my buck sightings have gone up. Okay. Even though I'm seeing less deer, I'm more prone to see a buck in the daylight yeah. versus when you're hunting bait. Yeah. And the um and you're always learning some. Yeah. You know, if, if you're tracking a deer, they'll take you through their territory and you'll you'll go places you would have never gone otherwise if you weren't following that track. Yeah. Yeah, the buck I, I shot a young buck this year. It, it was for me monumental first deer without bait in the up so that was a, a big deal awesome um but I, I shot it over a scrape line that i found from from following deer tracks the first yeah. year i was up here three years yeah. ago uh, but yeah and, and i found that i'm seeing more deer before they see me versus even three years ago every seer I de- deer i seen was a tail running through the woods right um, now I'm finding that I'm actually finding deer at close quarters, like 50, 60 yards, and they're not finding me. Yeah, nice. But yeah, in fact, because of the still hunting and tracking, and, and not liking to run another hunters, because running other hunters, you feel like you're kind of uh, stepping in their territory, ruining their hunt too. So I I've, mm-hmm. I seek out those places where I can be away from them. But often because of that, there's probably less deer. You know, because yeah. I hunt some of these wilderness areas that are mature timber yeah but if i don't see a deer that day or whatever i i i've always had a good day just being out there and then putting some uh miles on my feet yeah <clears throat> so you've still hunted and tracked quite a bit um you feel like you've learned a lot about deer locally and just deer behavior stuff like that from yeah and you're, and you're constantly learning um and i i own where i live i i have property and see deer all the time so in fact i uh feed them late in the year here before they move to the winter yard so i i, I see a lot of deer behavior even on a daily basis which mm-hmm. is always entertaining and yeah so i, I want to hop back to isle royal um the fishing side of isle royal did you dive deep into that you did it sounds like you did some fishing but did you do quite a bit of it yeah I, I did a fair amount of fishing i just found it a good way to uh get out and relax after work with the kids um but i was never one to my boat never looked like a porcupine full of rods and everything else but uh or fancy stuff but out there with a good fish population, you probably really didn't need to be real fancy. Yeah. Just um, trying to troll where the fish were or, or bob, bobbing um, is always successful too, you know. And uh, So, yeah, we would do quite a bit of fishing. Yeah. And your kids would fish quite a bit with you as well. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure they had a blast with that. They did. And uh I know it's southwest of the island in Wendigo where I was for 14 years. There was one lake, interior lake. I'd try to get them to a couple times a year. We had, I'd have to take my uh, boat for about an 11-mile ride, beach it, and then hike in for about a mile, and I'd portage canoe in there. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it was northern pike there. But to me, it was always like an outdoor life story where, you know, I'd have two rods that the kids would have, and, and I would paddle, and a lot of times I couldn't hardly paddle and be dealing with fish on their lines. And they're all good size ones, 24-inch plus, you know, and mm-hmm. 
then you'd look and there'd be moose kind of feeding between you and the shore and uh, it was just uh, a neat experience and because of its remoteness we were always the only one out there fishing mm-hmm. you know backpackers would cast from shore and stuff from the campground but you know it was pretty unfished yeah not many people were hauling canoes up to those lakes no right? no yeah hmm. in the I boundary mean, are, waters or go ahead there are many lakes that are accessible by uh easier by canoe but this one was just a little more isolated okay um and still thinking along the fishing lines boundary waters you fished there quite a bit i do um fishing always a good a big part of it um and in the spring we target lake trout lakes yeah and uh you know not too many places have interior lakes that have lake trout in them and that's always kind of fun yeah and in the spring they because they're in shallow water it's they're pretty easy to catch yeah yeah huh. so and we were talking about the idea of of obsessed um if there's thing a, a thing that stands above the rest you said you've always had a, a multiple um range of activities and interests um but did you find that through the years you would transition between i'm super fired up on this or is it even fr- from year to year or season to season that it ebbs and flows between those activities. Yeah, it's definitely season to season. Yeah. You know, as we get towards spring, you know, you start thinking about fishing more and, and trips that deal with fishing. And as we get toward the fall, it's 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 the hunting. But, you know, since I've been shooting a recurve, that's, that's kind of a daily thing as far as a practice. I find a practice is... Uh, you know, even though I never golfed, it's I could see it like golf. You can never be good enough, mm-hmm. but um, it's important to develop a form and keep your form. Yeah. And uh, and it's not like it takes a lot of shooting each day. You know, ten fifteen minutes is is plenty. And mm-hmm. uh, but it just kind of keeps that muscle memory and and it makes it enjoyable. Yeah. Do you have any other um, folks or friends that are getting into recurve hunting with you? Other than my grandkids, I really only know one other person that's um, shooting a longbow okay. locally. Although I've heard there's there's others around, and and, and as a uh, as a whole, you know, it, it it's been growing. Yeah, a lot of people that have shot compounds looking for something a little bit different, mm-hmm. and often when they go to it, it's uh, they stick with it. Yeah, yeah, I could see maybe someday, but I feel like I'm just I'm too far. Uh, probably also a time thing, although it's just an excuse. But busy life, yeah, w- between work and kids yeah. and whatever else, yeah. Yeah, we of course we grew up that way many years ago. The compound wasn't around, yeah. but we never felt like we were consistent with our, our recurves, and yeah. uh, and I felt at my age, if I was gonna learn and have a chance to hunt with it, I should probably take some training. Mm-hmm. Last last fall, I found this fellow down in Arkansas went for a one-on-one two-day class and uh he turned me around it was worth the travel and money hmm. can you say his name I'm curious yeah, Rick Rick Welch Rick Welch yeah. okay yeah there's another Michigan guy that uh, uh that had taught for years and has written many books that I have all of them and um Fred Asbell <laughs> Okay. And uh, 
But because of COVID, he didn't have his clash last year, so I ended up searching a little bit more. Okay. But I've kind of ended up incorporating both of their styles and somewhat using my own now that that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. But I like it whereas there's you're only looking at where you want to shoot. There's no aids or anything. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a kind of a neat feeling. Yeah. Do you use any kind of, uh, and this might be an elementary question, but do you have any kind of aiming point like with your arrow tip or something like nope, that? Or it's just nope, totally just, You're just strictly trying to focus as small of a spot as you can. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't even <clears throat> notice my arrow when I, when, I, when I pull back. Okay. So, but how do you focus on a spot? I mean, if it's 20 yards or 30 yards. Well, it- that, that's where uh, traditional archery gets challenging, and that's why you're not going to be effective at the further ranges like you can be with a compound. Okay. But that being said, there are people that have uh, been very successful beyond 50 yards. Um, But, you know, they're probably gifted with better eyesight or better ability to focus and whatnot. Hmm. Yeah. Again, maybe someday, but not currently. But a lot of people like the traditional archery because of the fact that you are forced to be closer. So it's a, it's almost a closer relationship with your game that you're hunting, you know, so you're coning on your other skills not to be noticed. And Mm -hmm. one of my goals this year was to try to take one from the ground. So I didn't hunt from a tree at all. Yeah. And so that was compounding my challenges, but it was, uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Right. Sometimes isn't there a window where a, where, uh, recurve is actually more effective at super close quarters yeah you could be much quicker yeah yeah you don't have to line up anything in lower light you could probably shoot um better yeah Hmm. anything else that you'd like to cover this has been fun chatting about the outdoors it's nothing i particular comes to mind at the moment yeah any favorite moments through the years i suppose how do you pick a favorite moment but in the working life or with your kids outdoors uh anything that stands out to you well certainly as a hunting trip was uh the last trip i did uh down in the surgeon gorge with um one of my sons and my daughter who hunted for the first time that year Mm mm-hmm they both end up getting bucks. I didn't get one, but um, just enjoyment of both of them getting one. And uh, my daughter just started hunting. She actually got a deer with her, her bow and, and the rifle that year. Hmm. And uh, that was a real memorable trip. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited as my kids get older to hopefully be able to share some of those experiences with them as well. Nice, yeah, and uh, and when you don't own the TV, you get outside with them and let them have real entertainment. Yeah, for sure. Well, appreciate you hopping on, Larry. We should do this again. Yeah, appreciate it, Logan. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.